Do you ever wish you could stop time as a sports fan? I know right now we wish we could all speed up time to get to a sports landscape that is more normal, like maybe it was all the way back in March of this year or maybe a little bit further back than that. And of course, as a sports fan, you often wish you could reverse time to fix a big mistake or to maybe go back and place a few bets or whatever it may be. But I mean, do you ever wish you could stop time right after a big moment the biggest moment of your sports team's history that may have been followed by a less big moment or followed by a bigger moment that did not go your way when I think about this I think about the Texas Rangers my favorite baseball team my favorite sports team really I think about Josh Hamilton's extra inning home run in Game 6 of the 2011 World Series that put them in the lead in the euphoria I felt in that moment thinking that my team was going to win the World Series. I want to pause right there. I don't want to go to the bottom of that inning when they blow the lead. I don't want to go to Game 7 where they lose. I don't want to go the next decade where they never get back to the World Series. I don't want any of that. I want that euphoria I felt when Hamilton hit that home run. I think Texas Tech fans would have loved to hit pause after Michael Crabtree struts into the end zone in 2008. I think that 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 moment is the greatest moment in Texas Tech history. It's the most iconic moment, I think, in Big 12 history as far as one play goes. But then a few weeks later, they get destroyed by Oklahoma and the dream comes crashing down. But we're not here to talk about the game against Oklahoma. So if you're a Tech fan, just pause time right after the Texas game and and enjoy this moment as if it was the final moment, the national championship, whatever. Because that's what we're going to talk about. This is the Big 12 Bullets Game of the Week. Welcome back to the Big 12 Bullets Game of the Week. This time we are out in West Texas in Lubbock. Jones AT&T Stadium for Texas Tech's greatest night in the Big 12. We have a huge, huge guest, Graham Harrell. Graham Harrell, the quarterback of Texas Tech, the current offensive coordinator for USC, one of the hottest names in coaching, a guy that many, many, many expect to be a head coach soon enough of a big school and Our interview is really, really interesting, and I think you'll get a picture of why he is so well thought of. He's a very thoughtful guy, um, charismatic, and you know we veered into a lot of questions about being a coach and taking the experiences that he had as a player and, and imparting those lessons on his players now. And, and again, like you will, I think, get a feeling for why people really think highly of this guy, uh, Graham Harrell. I was very surprised to be able to, to, to get uh, an interview. Uh, I want to thank Katie Ryan from USC for setting this interview up. Uh, it's pretty cool that they would let me talk to one of their coaches about not their school. Um, I did not expect them to do that, and they did, and that was awesome. So thank you to Katie Ryan for that. Um, one of the fun things about this interview is I called Graham, and it was real, real windy, and I was like, yeah, you know, I can't really can't really hear you. He's like, I'll, I'll head back up to the house. He said, I'm out in Tyler, Texas right now. Um, and I was like, Hey, that's, that's where I grew up. So, um, we, we bonded over that. Maybe that was why he uh, went over the 10 minutes that I was allotted for my interview. 
because it was a little bit longer than 10 minutes. We're going to talk about this game, though. But after, but before that, let's talk about RevTown jeans. I wish I could be wearing my RevTown jeans every day, but it's 150 degrees, so I can't. But they're so comfortable. I wore them around the house one day. They are the most comfortable jeans I've ever worn. They're stylish. They come in a lot of different styles. Um, I'm far from a style icon. I think I've joked that I'm a style icon, but I'm not. One of the reasons I am far from a style icon is because I wear jeans all the time. But now I can wear comfortable jeans that actually look pretty good. So maybe I will become a style icon because Reptown jeans, the best jeans in the world, reptownusa.com. They are the sponsor for the Bedgoods Big 12 Bullets game of the week. And the game of the week is Texas Tech 2008, the Crabtree Catch. But this game was so much more than the Crabtree Catch. So first of all, it is Saturday night. It is number one Texas against number seven Texas Tech. Tech was 8-0. Texas was 8-0. This was November 2nd, 2008. It was a night game. It was as epic as you could ever want a game to be. Especially, you know, games like this, when they happen, say... Texas A&M in Texas, or when they happen with schools that have big giant stadiums that are always full, there's, there's some interest there. But when you have a stadium like Texas Tech Stadium, which is a little bit smaller, which is not always full, team like Texas Tech, TCU, um, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, when you have these massive games that the fan base can get really, 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 really excited about and they can pack the stadium out, um, I think there's maybe a little bit of extra heat, a little bit of extra intensity than uh, a team like Oklahoma or Texas that always has a full stadium that's really big. You have these smaller stadiums where people are just ravenous because they haven't had opportunities like this. That's when you can get kind of a, a powder keg, and that's exactly what Lubbock was. It was a powder keg. And Texas walked right into this and got housed for the first Half, really. I mean, they were getting dominated. It was 12-0 after the first quarter. The first points of the game were a safety. Texas Tech's defense showed up to this game ready to basically prove to everyone that they had a defense. And they absolutely dominated a very good offense led by Colt McCoy, who was basically the Heisman frontrunner. He was on the way to to winning the Heisman this year. And he was he looked he was lost in the first half. The The crowd was crazy. The defense was crazy. They were getting to him. They were just hammering him. He was sacked four times. His face was bloodied on a hit in the third quarter. I mean, he was, he was getting beaten up. He was getting just, this did not look like Texas tech. This looked like Alabama. And then he leads this amazing comeback, basically like he was starting his Heisman campaign all over again. He has a a second-half touchdown pass of 37 yards and then a 91-yard touchdown pass to Malcolm Williams. And then that still didn't do it. They still had to come back and score another touchdown. They they drive this kind of grinding, slow touchdown drive at the end, and they actually scored a little bit too early, as Graham Harrell will get into. Texas Tech now has the ball, and that's when the, the... the drive. Uh, if you're a Texas fan, Texas fan, if you're a Texas Tech fan, you probably know all about this drive. So they start. Texas Tech is marching down the field. The clock is running and running and running and running. 
but they're they're getting there. They're getting to where they need to be. And then Graham Harrell throws a pass. It's a little bit high. His receiver reaches up, it tips in the air, and is falling directly, slowly, right to Texas freshman safety Blake Gideon. And the the reason you know the name Blake Gideon is because of this play. He actually was a, a pretty good player for, for a, a long time for Texas. But you remember this play because he drops the easy interception that would have ended the game. And now there's eight seconds left and Tech has the ball with a chance to win it. And they have Michael Crabtree, who was the best receiver in college football this year and maybe and one of the best receivers in college football history. And Graham Harrell, Graham Harrell throws the ball uh, to Crabtree, who's running towards the sideline. He catches it. He's got a, he's got one defender on him and the safety for Texas overplays it comes below Crabtree. Crabtree shugs off the corner and struts into the end zone with the ball in his hand. This epic moment with one second left. He didn't step out of bounds. Graham Harrell, as we t- we'll talk about, he, he thought he might be, maybe should have stepped out of bounds. Uh, that's safety, by the way, for Texas. That was Earl Thomas, who is, I, as far as I understand it, going to be a Hall of Famer in the NFL. Uh, one of the best safeties ever. And he makes completely messes this play up. Because if he makes that tackle... Even if he forces Crabtree out of bounds, here's why Crabtree should not have gone out of bounds. Texas Tech's kicker was a guy they got out of the stands. Their kicking situation was so bad, and this was something the announcers talked about throughout the game. They just got him out of the stands. This is a guy that won a promotional kicking contest six weeks prior. He made two field goals, uh, but then he he had a field goal blocked, and then they brought in their bigger-footed uh, other kicker to make another one, but their kicking situation was not good at all. And so you're gonna you're not gonna trust the game winning kick to one of these guys. And Crabtree, whether he was 100 percent thinking that or not, the right decision was to not step out of bounds and was to score this touchdown. And that led to a moment that we all remember that that huge he just looks like such a beast strutting into the end zone there. And that's this game. Uh, really, really hilariously, of course, the Tech crowd they rushed the field. Um, they had to, had to go off. There's a penalty. They kind of rushed the field again, I think, uh, they have to go off again. And so there's a couple penalties. So tech actually has to kick off from like the five yard line, uh, with one second left meeting. Texas actually had a chance at winning this game on a crazy kickoff return because tech's entire kickoff team was in the end zone. And that is actually our key play for our key play breakdown video on YouTube, because I mean, we've all seen the iconic. Crabtree touchdown. We've all seen the Blake Gideon dropped interception, but how many of us remember the kickoff from the end zone? So that's what I break down in the video. But for now, let's get to the interview with Graham Harold. USC offensive coordinator and Texas Tech, one of the greatest Texas Tech quarterbacks of all time, Graham Harrell. Welcome, Graham. It's great to be here. I appreciate you having me on. All right. So you played a lot of games for Texas Tech. You you know, we're part of a lot of big moments. I imagine this is by far the biggest. Yeah, it, uh, you know, obviously I think it's the one that's the most remembered for sure. And, uh, during that era, you know, it takes, we, we won a lot of fun games and, and, uh, different games. I think there's probably three that stand out the most in my mind, but to all the fans, the Texas, the Texas game is the one they all remember. I remember my sophomore year against Texas and we beat them in the last second play on the road, which, I loved it because it was on the road, and uh, it's kind of fun to beat, beat teams in their own place. 
Uh, obviously, the inside ball that same year when we came back from, I think, like 31 down in the second half and uh, made a big, you know, like I said, came back and had a big win. But as far as, like I said, the one that everyone remembers and probably the one that was on a on a much bigger scale uh, or on a much bigger stage and uh, kind of put Texas Tech on the map is definitely the Texas one, and that's the one that if anyone I think remembers my time there or even – I think Coach Leach's entire, you know, his 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 tenure there, uh, he, he did a lot of great things for Texas Tech, but I think that was kind of the pinnacle moment of it and probably what most people remember about it. For sure. And, and was this the most hyped you ever were for a game? And what kind of coach is Coach Leach when it comes to being hyped for a game? Does he feed into that or does he try to get you into the it's just another game mindset? Oh, he's always just another game. And, uh, yeah, he definitely doesn't feed into hype. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, he's a, he's a different character. But, um, yeah, I love him, obviously. And I love playing for him. And I went and coached for him after I played for him. So, uh, Coach Leach and I are very close. But but he definitely doesn't believe in overhyping the game or making one game bigger than another. Um, and like you said, that being – you know, them being number one in the country at the time and Lubbock, us being both teams being undefeated. And uh, just the because of the situation, uh, there's no question that's probably the biggest game in maybe Texas Tech's history, but definitely that era. Um, and so, you know, I don't know if as a player or as a coach necessarily, it's the most hyped I've ever been for a game. Uh, but, but I do think that it was probably the biggest atmosphere uh, for a game yeah, especially in Lubbock that, that we ever played in during my time there. And, and I think it's the most, <laughs> it's definitely the most pumped a fan or the fan base was ever for a game because, uh, you know, they had been camping out, I guess, I think the week before we beat Kansas. And from, from the time we got back to Lubbock, uh, you know, we beat Kansas on the road. And, uh, from the time we got back, there were already people camped out, um, at, at the jail there, you know, at our stadium in anticipation for the for next week's game and they camped out all week and, and uh I think they called it like Tent City or I don't remember what they called it, but um it was uh the tents wrapped around the entire stadium. Every time you came in or out of the stadium or in, in or out of the facility, you know, all the all the fans are right there and they're yelling at you and, and you know, they probably uh they probably had some things to drink so so they were no they way. Were, um, excited even during the week. You know, it wasn't like, you know, they were just camped out there. No, they were juiced and ready to go all week long. Uh, and then to have a night game, obviously you give the entire city and the entire fan base a, a full day to uh, pregame. Like I said, when you, when you walked out of the locker room, even for even for pregame, it was the most um, – there was just a, kind of an electricity in the, in the air and you could feel it. Uh, and, and it was a, a great atmosphere and probably – one of the coolest atmospheres I've ever played in, to be honest with you. And, and obviously the stage of the game and all that, but I think a lot of it was just outside of the fan base once for that game uh, that created that atmosphere. As a, you were, you were a veteran by this point. I think they said it was like your 35th game or something when I was rewatching it. How much did that help you to block out all of that? I mean, you're talking about all week, there's people in your ear. I mean, did having you, you had done it before many times. Did that help? Absolutely. For sure. That, that definitely helped. And I think that, uh, to be honest with you, that that whole team was a pretty experienced team. If you look at you know, especially offensively uh, and defensively, we had some some leaders on that defense that had played a whole lot of games. But offensively, uh, you know, with me, Michael Crabtree, Eric Morris, most of that offensive line 
it was our second, third year playing together. And so, to be honest with you, I don't think that uh, if we didn't have that experience, that we probably would have even been in that situation, you know, um, and, and been been whatever it was, 9-0 and 9-0, and been in the situation to play in such a big game. And I think that experience definitely played into that. And, um, and, and that's the reason we're in that situation. And also, the situation wasn't too big. You know, we – uh, we had played in some big games. We we'd had a played in a lot of games, and uh, especially with Coach Leach's kind of mentality that every game is just another game, and and none's bigger than the other. It, with with that experience of a team, it was something that we could really buy into, and and and, and it not just be coach talk. You know, what I mean, it really, he he had a, an experience enough team that that we could handle it as just another game, and we understood that the magnitude of it, and obviously the atmosphere was great. And the situation was big, and the stage was big. Having game day in Lubbock, Texas, uh, was great for the university and great for the for the city. Uh, but but inside that facility, you know, anytime you stepped outside that facility, it was very obvious it wasn't another week, just any other week. But inside that facility, they did a great job. Uh, and again, because of the experience we had on the team, it felt just like another week, and it, it enabled us to have a you know a good week of preparation and go out there and, and uh, play at a high level that night yeah and you talk about you talked about the offensive firepower that you guys had but re-watching the game it was amazing how good the tech defense played for most of the game and really when the offense kind of struggled how much does a defense doing playing the way they played with getting a safety getting a pick six uh several sacks I mean just really dominating that game how much does that help you in a big game as an offense where things aren't really going your way to just kind of be calm and know that, you know, you're still in this game. And I actually really, you guys were dominating for a while too, because yeah, of the defense. No question. We were dominating and I kind of let him back in the game, but um, you know, that's huge. And, and uh, you know, coach Alicia's offense has always put up a lot of numbers and, and usually a lot of points. Right. But uh, if you look at the years where we had the most success, I think that, you know, both cotton ball years, for example, the defense played better. You know, I, I know my, my uh, retro freshman year when we went to the cotton bowl, uh, the defense, I think we led the, uh, maybe uh, maybe the country, but I think definitely the conference and turnovers and stuff. We had a guy named Dwayne Slay who seemed like he forced three fumbles a game, you know, and and, uh, and so that was one of the better years that, that Tech had. My senior year, same way, we had a we had a much better defense than usual, and, and that was the reason – um, that we were, you know, instead of winning seven, eight, nine games, we're winning 10, 11 games, you know, and, and uh, competing on a much higher stage is because the defense played at a higher level and we had a better defense that year. But um, for sure, in, in, in any game, when, when you when when you know that your defense can go out there and get stops, it makes your job as an offense, as an offense, a whole lot easier. Uh, you're not pressing and you're not worried about we have to square every single possession. You're able to play a lot looser. And, uh, you know, in that game, like you said, particularly early, they played at an extremely high level and scored some points on defense uh, and really shut them down. And obviously, as, as it got tighter, uh, Texas' offense got going and, and, and did some good things. Uh, but for a lot of the game, defensively, we really did dominate. We really did dominate. And um, that's, like I said, it makes your job as an offense a whole lot easier when you're playing good defense. For sure. And so Texas comes back, as you know, What's going through your mind? They get a 91-yard touchdown, and then they they go back, they score to take the lead with, um, I think it's like a minute and 29 seconds left, and you guys have one timeout. One, what's going through your head? How confident are you? And then two, there's a shot of, of Coach Leach, you know, he's kind of pulling on your shoulder pad, telling you something directly in your ear before you go out. 
what is it that he's telling you in that situation? You know, I think that, like you said, I can't remember watching that. And, and the used to when they took the lead, they're, they're moving down the field quickly and they're playing at a, at a fast pace and they hit a big class down, I think, the left sideline. And they get down like the four um, or somewhere around the five. And my thought was they're going to slow this down. You know what I'm saying? They're not going to They're not going to continue to play hurry up offense they're gonna slow it down and say we're either gonna score or win and we're gonna stop and, and lose but we're gonna end with the football you right know? uh luckily for me you know to be honest with you i was shocked when they sped up you know they, they rushed to the line they snapped it quick they handed it off and they boom, boom touchdown and to be honest with you it was a sense of relief like good <laughs> you know, <laughs> they screwed up by scoring too quickly and it wasn't the fact like oh 100 we're gonna score but it was more, we definitely have a chance. You know I mean? This game, uh, they left us too much time. And that was honestly my thought on the sideline was that was bad clock management right there. They right. should have slowed it down, and, you know, just and just play normal football and not, not giving us any time. But because they sped up, they scored quickly. Again, my initial thought was, one, they, they left too much time on the clock, and two, I'm glad they did. Uh, because... Like I said, I'm not saying it was 100%. I know we're going to score, but it was there's plenty of time to score. We don't we don't have to do something magical. We we can go out there and really put a job together and still win this game. And so uh, it was almost uh, you know I think again because of the experience, there was a very calm sense on the sideline, but there was also uh, a sense of boy they screwed up by, by hurrying up right there. And so uh, we took the field with a lot of confidence, and you know Coach Leach in his. <laughs> Again, no moment's different than any other moment for him. And I think all I remember him telling me was, hey, if we score, we win. And it's like, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I can do the math on that one, coach. You know, <laughs> okay, let's just go do what we do because if we score, we'll win. And it's like, yeah. We're, we're, we, uh, what, were we, what were we down, five or something? It's like, yeah. yeah. You're right. If we score, we do win. So, um, great, great you know, motivation there, but, uh, <laughs> that's just coach leads, you know, and, and again, because no moment's different than any other. And so it's how you just go do what we do, go execute. Uh, we'll march right down the field and score basically is what he's saying. And, and we're going to win this game. And so that was a sense that, you know, that was his mentality. Uh, and I think that that was the entire offense's mentality that, Hey, they scored too quickly. Let's go score and win this thing. And, and we took the field with that mentality. And, and, uh, obviously, uh, it, it worked out well for us. Yeah, there's two more plays I want to ask you about. I think you know exactly what they are. The first one, what's going through your head when that ball is tipped and it's going right for Blake Gideon's hands? Are you just devastated? or I mean, what's going through your head at that point? Well, see, and I tell everyone this, I had the best angle in the world, so I'm directly in front of it. So I kind of start scrambling. I got to throw it to Eddie, and he goes to block right as I go to throw it to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, So he gets his hands up late, ball bounces straight up, and it's – it's really right in front of me. And so the ball is dropping, and I see it go straight through his hands. You know, I, I see it hit the ground really clearly. Oh, okay. Because it's right in front of me. And so uh, it happened so fast, I didn't have time to think, oh, he should have caught that. You know what I mean? I see it drop straight through his arms, and it touches the ground. So my thought is, hey, we got to get going. But it's almost like time stopped for a second. The, the, the stadium went silent. I think everyone on the sideline, because of the angle they had, thought the game – I think everyone thought the game was over. I think the announcers thought the game was over. I think the sidelines thought the game – I mean, it was just – I just had a straight-on straight on angle, so I saw the ball drop. I clearly saw it hit the ground, and I'm thinking, 
Taylor's role, not really thinking about how bad, how bad he just screwed <laughs> this thing up. You know what I mean? And so, you know, now looking back, it's like, oh my God, if, if I ever see the player or have to watch it back, it's like, oh my goodness, how'd he drop that one? You know what I mean? Especially when you know how it, how it ends. It's like, boy, that's a, that's a pretty devastating drop there. But um, at the time, because of the angle and where I was, like, so I saw I hit the ground, and so I'm not even thinking like, oh, that was that was close or anything. I'm just thinking, okay, next down, we only have eight seconds. Are we about to try to kick that deep field goal? Like, what? Like, let's get going. And and I can remember thinking like, hey, we got to go. It's almost like again, everyone just stopped, stopped, and the play clock's running, and the refs made a good call, and and uh, so they've got the they've got the ball ready to go. But um, that's what I remember about after that play was instead of staring at the replay or the big screen, like it felt like everyone on the, in the stadium was, I'm trying to figure out like, Hey, are we going to we gonna call the play? Or are we just going to sit here and stare at the stare at big screen, you know? <laughs> well, there's, that's where that experience comes in. Uh, <laughs> and the, and the other, the other part where the experience comes in, that last play, I think is a perfect example of, I've seen a Nick Saban video talking about one of the biggest lessons he's learned as a coach is in crunch time. It's about players, not plays. Yeah. Are you in that situation? Are you going eight seconds? That's probably one play. There's one guy who needs to get the ball, and that's Michael Crabtree. I mean, was there any question in your mind that the play was going to him? Yeah, to be honest with you, I didn't think there was any way they'd let me throw the ball. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I'm not, like I said, I never, I'm not trying to question a question their call. I mean, they had a good call. They played two man, and, and that's a, that's a tough defense to throw against. You know, I just assumed in that situation. To, to be honest with you, so we ran four verticals and, and come out, you know, when we got to the line of scrimmage and get lined up, it was pretty clear what coverage they were playing. And, uh, but I was about certain that that safety was going to sprint. As soon as the ball was snapped, it was sprint, stand right on top of Michael Crabtree, and they were going to double him. So, pretty snap, honestly, I was thinking this ball's probably going to have to go to the seam to Crabtree's side because, uh, you know, that, that safety is going to play way over the top of Crab. And it's going to create kind of a one-on-one matchup, and it's going to be a tight throw. But we're going to have a one-on-one matchup and have a shot at the seam, straight up the seam. Was my really my thought pre-snap? Uh, but as soon as the ball was snapped, the safety he played the coverage the way that you draw up the coverage. He played it, uh, you know, kind of between the two receivers. And as soon as I saw that, I, there was no question where the ball was going, and and the, and the corner had no vision on me. Uh, so again, my thought is you got to give your best player a chance to make a play in this situation because no matter where you throw, it's going to be tight and there's going to be some help. Uh, so, so I had to force a back shoulder. I couldn't throw it over the top, but when the corner has no vision on me, uh, the corner back has no vision on me. Uh, there's, there's not a lot of, I didn't have much fear that he would make a play on the ball. Uh, I knew it had to be in a pretty tight spot, but like I said, there's going to be two guys close no matter where you throw it. Give your best guy a chance. And uh, that, that's kind of the thought process. I throw it to Crab, and he makes a heck of a play. And obviously, you know, the way it worked out, it was you couldn't have drawn it up any better or, or scripted it any better, you know. But on the field, I think what people forget, I think we we're only down one. No, I think, yeah, we're only down one. And uh, so my thought was he needs to step out of bounds. You know, right. Catch the ball and step out of bounds. He's on the 10 or 5-yard line. Get it, get out of bounds, let's get the field going. Win, and you know, my thought was, don't run around, get tackled inbounds when when the clock expires, and we're on the two yard line with zero zero seconds on the clock, you know, and so we can't get anything off. Um, 
his plan worked out better than mine did. And, and, you know, if he steps out of bounds and we kick a field goal, I think a lot of people will remember that game, but, but not to the extent that they remember it now, because that play is, is, uh, it was such a great play and, and such a great moment. Uh, so I'm glad it worked out the way it did. And I'm glad he did what he did now. Uh, but at the time I'm thinking he's going to catch it, step out of bounds and kick a field goal and win. Uh, like I said, he had different plans, and his plan in the long run will make that game a whole lot more memorable than my plan would have. So uh, I guess I guess it worked out for the better. Yeah, I was going to ask you if that was going through your mind as a, as a guy who obviously is a very smart football guy. That would have been the right move. But, you know, watching this game back, your kicker was a guy that you got from, like, the stands or something. So maybe Crabtree was uh, making the right decision there. <laughs> I hope that was the thought process. <laughs> was, I don't trust any of these kickers. I'm going to take matters into my own hands. And to be honest with you, that was probably the right move if that was going through his hand because you've got arguably one of the better players there. You're definitely one of the best receivers to ever play college football. Uh, and you've got – we've already missed one field goal and, and – like I said, the other the other kicker we pulled out of the stands about four weeks earlier, so uh, we don't have the most stable kicking situation. And, and to leave it in one of their hands would have made me sick to my stomach. So uh, <laughs> I hope that's what Crab was thinking. Yeah, I trust myself a heck of a lot more. I trust those two guys. Sitting on that. I don't score myself, but um, again, the way he did it, it makes the play and the game a lot more memorable. Um, at the time, it's kind of nerve-wracking to watch him run around and watch the clock run down. But uh, like I said, it worked out for the better. And now I don't think anyone, especially a Tech fan, will ever forget it. You know? Yeah. And uh, so last question, and this kind of goes to what you're doing now as a coach. You guys have that big win. It feels like you won the national championship, but you have to go play number eight Oklahoma State the next week. Yeah. And then you got to go to Oklahoma. And I went to OU. And so, listen big game for me but I, we won't we won't get into that game but just the idea of how do you calm yourself back down and and go all right we have to play again next week is that where coach leach and his mentality of every game is just another game comes into play and do you kind of take some of that stuff that you learn from your career and, and teach uh players that same principle now I definitely try to, and, and I try to approach it just like Leach does. Is, is today's no different than yesterday, and, and it's a process. And, it, and if you take care of the process, then the things usually work out. And uh, and so again, because of the experience of the team we had, obviously that was a big win for us, and we knew it was a big win. It was probably one of the biggest nights in Lubbock, Texas, you know. But um, when you walked in the facility the next day, it just felt like another day. And again, when you walked out of the facility. The next day, it didn't feel like another day. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like just another win or just another game, you know. But uh, when you were in the facility, uh, I think Leach and, and we, I try to do the same thing uh, everywhere I go. Is but Leach did a great job of. It's just another day, you know. what I mean, what do we? You know, when we walked on Sunday, what did we do? We didn't sit there and celebrate it. We sat down. We went over the stats. We evaluated it. We saw, you know, we we looked at what we did well. We looked at what we did poorly, uh, and we moved on. And then we had another big game the next week. And the, and the cool thing was, like you said, number eight, Oklahoma State came to Lubbock. And the, the people in the tents just stayed there for another week. They had to be disgusting. I don't even <laughs> I don't know how that worked out. But the atmosphere didn't change. And it was almost like a hangover in the, uh, like I said, in the parking lot. Those people just, uh, they never left. And it just kept camping. And it was a really, really cool two-week span. Uh, obviously, 
the, you know, I think the worst thing that ever happened to us was we had a bye week before that Oklahoma game. Mm. So did they. Uh, just because when you're hot, you don't want to stop. And, and I don't know if it would have made any difference because that night in, in Oklahoma, that's that was as, about as good of an atmosphere as I've played in, too. And then they played about as well as you can possibly play. But, uh, you know, we were we were just kind of riding the high at that time because you know, that was one of those few years where Kansas, you know, the year before, I think they had won an Orange Bowl or next the next year, you know, it was right around when Kansas won an Orange Bowl. So they were actually a decent team. And so we beat them the week before. We beat number one Texas. Uh, we thumped number eight Oklahoma State. Uh, and it, like I said, it was it would have been better for us if we just could have kept the kept the role. It, it feels like it would have been better for us if we just could have kept riding that wave, you know, mm-hmm. having a bye week uh, and then going to get beat like we did against Oklahoma. And then Baylor comes to town and we just squeak one out. I don't think we ever played at that level again. Um, and I think there's a lot of factors that go into that, but. Those two weeks, you know, those three weeks were uh, unbelievable weeks in, in Lubbock. And uh, and like I said, I, I wish we could have just kept riding. The, the bye week was probably the worst thing that happened to us. But um, that was a special week. And, and again, the Leach's mentality and attitude towards the next day. When we walked in there Sunday, you would have thought we'd beat, you know, whoever. We just had beat Rice again like we had, you know, week three or whatever it was. It's just, a, you know. Let's evaluate the game for what it was, for what we did well, what we did poorly, and get ready for Oklahoma State coming in because we had another good football team coming in. Uh, but I honestly believe that's you know that's why we were able to to not have kind of a hangover as a team and uh, prepare and execute the way we did the next week. Yeah, you mentioned that Oklahoma game. Does that looking back now that you you have a big holistic view of your career? Does that sour the great experiences of the win over Texas, or can you kind of take things and compartmentalize them and say, no, that was still iconic, the best moment, all that, or do you think, but if we'd only done this or that, do you kind of have regrets when you look at your career, or is it everything, um, you know, now that you've had time, do you kind of see it differently? No, I definitely have any regrets. Obviously, that game... You know, if we win that game, we could probably get to play for a national championship. That would be one, you know, obviously a, a dream come true and, and a huge goal of our, of mine. Um, but, again, and, a, and a, some of it may be because of the way Coach Leach approached his life and, and the game, but um, I can, you know, I can I can see games individually, you know, and, and appreciate how fun and how good of a year that was and, and how special of a year that was. and. And especially those couple of weeks right there, I love how, how how awesome that was to have those couple of weeks there. Um, but again, the, the loss of Oklahoma, I don't think really sours much about it, other than the fact that um, we, it probably again, if we if we win that game, we we play for a national championship, and, and uh, that's the ultimate goal. And and uh, it kind of took that away, uh, but that that's football, you know. And, and that night in in, in Norman again. Coming off the bye week, we weren't. We were a lot more flat than I think we would have been if we didn't come off the bye week. But the atmosphere that night, and, and, and as well as they played, um, you know, they, they just—it was just a night you weren't gonna beat them in, in Oklahoma, you know, in, in that setting. So, uh, unfortunately, like you said, it, it's a bad loss, but uh, that's that's football, you know. And, and uh, any any week and any game that can happen, but I don't ever, you know sitting here now don't don't ever have any regrets or think man i mean obviously i think i wish it would have gone differently because uh, playing for a national championship would have been the greatest thing ever you know right that's what you play for right. that's, that's the highest the highest you can get to 
and that took that opportunity, but I don't think it takes anything away from uh, the previous weeks or, or what those me- weeks meant to Texas Tech football and the program as a whole. Do you try to stress that to your players now of, you know, like you're saying, enjoying those moments, not thinking too much, too far ahead, too, too um, you know, much in the past about things that happened last year and just appreciating the lessons that football can teach you and about life in general? Absolutely. I think that a lot of it has to do with um, you can't define success necessarily by wins and losses, and and, and that's a hard thing to do uh, because I think the world so much defines wins and lo- I mean, defines success by wins and losses. But um, I think that if you, if you know, I think there's there's bigger things than, than winning and losing in life, and there's lessons to be learned and losses. And unfortunately, no matter how good you are, how prepared you are, there's going to be nights where you get beat. And and if that's the only way you define success and failure is winning and losing, then, then you're going to live on a roller coaster ride, you know? Where if, if you can truly look yourself in the mirror and say, hey, we we gave everything we had, and on that night it wasn't enough, you know? Or look yourself in the mirror and say, hey, we got beat because we didn't prepare the right way or whatever the case may be, you know, I think there's lessons to be learned. And, and um, But, again, I try to stress with our guys is, is success and failure has to be separated from wins and losses. It has to be, can, can I, am I disciplined enough to give my 100% every single day? And if I do, then I'm going to be successful, or I was successful. And a byproduct of that will be winning a lot of football games. But again, ultimately, winning a football game can't be the end all on whether you were successful or not. And so I think that's a lesson to be learned, and a lesson we learned in those moments. Um, and, and something that, like you said, I try to stress the most. Yeah, that's that. That's that's one of the really cool things that I'm getting from talking to a lot of former college football players and even former NFL players about their careers and these big games and these big moments, how they can define them going forward and the lessons that they've learned. And so um, that's really cool, and especially with you being a coach now and kind of imparting those lessons on on kids. For sure. Um, so yeah. Well, I appreciate you you joining us, and um, you have a uh, a quick if there is a season record prediction for Texas Tech this year. I I uh, I couldn't even guess on that one. I'm <laughs> too far away from the program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I just like to you know throw that one in there because every uh, every person I've asked that has predicted their team to win at least ten games. So I just yeah. somebody's going to be wrong. Prediction. So. <laughs> We'll see. That's all I can say to that. All right. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us, Graham. Yeah, thank you. And once again, I want to thank Graham for participating in the interview, for giving me a little bit of extra time. I think it was a great conversation. I think he's a really, really insightful guy, like I said. And, you know, you're going to be hearing a lot more from Graham Harrell in the next few years. I'm very confident in that. Maybe you'll be hearing a lot from USC this year with his offense. He was uh, he was at UNT before he went to USC, and um, you know I think that was that was a really really insightful interview. So thanks again to Graham. Thanks again to Katie Ryan from USC for helping set that up. Now we did hint at what happened to Texas Tech two weeks later. That's something Graham and I talked about. And and going back to the very beginning of this podcast, what well do you ever wish you could stop time as a sports fan? Well, time, unfortunately for Tech fans, did not stop. So the next week they did beat Oklahoma State, who was good that year. And then after a bye week, they went into Norman for one of the most memorable, uh, if not the most memorable, nights in Norman 
in Big 12 history. Um, it happened the year before I was at o- Oklahoma, and all my friends never let me forget that I did not go to that game because they did, and they were older than me. It was an absolute beatdown. It was not a classic game, but it was a classic uh, just display of dominance, and the crowd was as loud as they've ever been at Oklahoma, and Graham even said that too. It was an incredible environment from uh, all by all accounts, and that's where we're going to go next week. And let me just say, the guest we have next week is going to blow your mind. This is the Bed Goods Big 12 Bullets Game of the Week presented by Reptile. Oh, yeah. Just...